Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled Building Blocks for the Christian Life, Giving Our Best, and is based on 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 and verses 16 through 18. It was delivered on Sunday, October 23, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. Well, uh, turn in your pew Bibles to page 968. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're coming to the end now of our Building Blocks sermon series. Um, it's been a joy to journey through First and Second Timothy with you. But like all good things must come to an end, and so we finish now with chapter 4 in 2 Timothy. We'll begin with verse 6. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge will give me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And we move to verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through the message... So through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when people of influence are about to die, the world will usually wait with eager anticipation as to what their last words might be. I'm thinking, of course, of the most recent death of Queen Elizabeth II. She confided to her friend and pastor that she had no regrets. No regrets. Lou Gehrig bid farewell um, in an emotional ceremony at Yankee Stadium on July 4th, 1939. He said goodbye to the game and to all of his his, uh, teammates. At that time, he had contracted and would soon die from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, what we know today as Lou Gehrig's disease. And he said on that ball field, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And he added... I've been given a bad break, but I've got a lot to live for. Grover Cleveland in 1908, on his deathbed, he said, I've tried so hard to do what is right. And then humorously, Oscar Wilde, as only he could do, said on his deathbed, either that wallpaper goes or I do. It was 66 A.D., About 30 years after the life 
and death and resurrection of Jesus that the Apostle Paul would give to us his famous last words. Words to a young man who was like a son to him, his young apprentice, Timothy. You know, they first met in Lystra uh, while Paul was on his first missionary journey. And it was there in Lystra that Timothy, having been influenced by his Jewish mother and his Greek father, that he became a Christian. A couple of years later, Timothy decided to join the apostle on his second missionary journey. He visited Thessalonica and Corinth on the apostle's behalf, and he even met with him on his fateful journey to Jerusalem. And a few years later, Timothy became a senior figure in the church at Ephesus. He was young, maybe 18, maybe 19 and understandably hesitant to take on church responsibilities because of his age. And so when the apostle learned of his concerns, he wrote to him in what we call 1 Timothy. And in that letter, the apostle encourages him to remain confident in God and in his God-given strengths. And he provides guidelines on major aspects of church life and disclosed the characteristics of what spiritual leadership is and isn't. But in this letter, in 2 Timothy, the apostle is passing on the torch of leadership to the next generation of leaders. He wanted Timothy to remember his good example in Christ and to accept the great responsibility of preaching in the last days. And it's here in 2 Timothy, these words that we read for today, that we have Paul's last words and we can only imagine what the young Timothy must have felt as he read Timothy even though my time has come and I will soon be gone you need to know that I fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith and you Timothy you because I believe in you because I love you because I support you I am confident you too will give your very best and you too will finish strong as I have every time I read this passage I think I think about a relay race I did track and field for only one year and I was never really good at the relay race it's tough Uh, when the baton gets passed from one runner to the next a lot of things can go wrong you have a 20-meter window of opportunity with a 10-meter acceleration zone for the next runner to catch up to speed. And the things that can go wrong look like this. You drop the baton. You run out of your lane. You don't mean to, but you did. You're disqualified. Or you cross the finish line without the baton. You're disqualified. So many different things can go awry. Every step has to be timed just right. Every move has to synchronize perfectly with the other runners on your team. This is what's happening in this letter. The apostle is preparing for his end. He knows that his death is imminent and he wants to pass the baton on to a trusted teammate. And while there wasn't much room for error in this transition, the apostle had faith not only in his teammates, but more importantly, in the prize 
they were all running toward. It's important for us, I think, to remember that Timothy was the third generation of Christians here. He's following the footsteps of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. They were among the first generation of Christians who had never heard uh, Jesus speak. They never met him. Um, They had not witnessed his miracles. But what we're told is that they believed. They trusted. Even among second and third generation Christians, the faith was still in its infancy. Doctrines and creeds were not yet concrete. And yet, they believed in Jesus as Lord. They believed in him as the anointed one. They believed in him as Messiah. And they had to figure out how to remain faithful in the context of an ever-changing pagan world. My daughters are an example to me every week. I take them to ballet. Uh, I take Campbell to the location in Ada, and that's a two-hour ordeal. So I bring a book, lots of downtime, and can read. It's nice. (laughs) I sit in the car. Um, But at first, ballet was tough. It was a challenge. And there was a lot of back and forth as to whether or not they were going to stick with this. There was a lot of back and forth as to, am I really going to get dressed and go... And as they continued the practice and and entered that discipline of weekly rehearsals and practice, they got better and better. And they're getting better and better. Now they can't imagine not being in ballet, and I can't either. We live in a world, really, of unfinished, incomplete, never-realized goals. And my daughters Campbell and Leighton are helping me to remember that giving our best, even when it's hard, is what God asks of each and every one of us. To live with a sense of accomplishment. To just do it. And stick with it. What does it take to end our lives well? What does it look like to finish strong? You know, I'm your pastor. I have the privilege of being with you in the best days and the the hardest ones, right? I was recently with a parishioner this past week who's facing the end. And when we sit there and we talk and we pray and we share stories, but we know the end is nigh, the tears flow, and we wonder, what, what does the end look like? How have I lived Have I lived well? Did I give God my best? In a recent blog post, Renee Boer tells the story of of John Adams during the last year of his life. And during the last year of his life, he was visited by a young Ralph Waldo Emerson who had just graduated from Harvard University. Emerson spent the entire day with Adams listening to him reminisce the birth of our nation, a process that took no less than 12 years. The American Revolution was a time of risk and great uncertainty, but our founding fathers persevered in their resolve to create a new nation. Years later, Emerson was asked about that day with Adams, 
And he said, you know, one thing that he said to me struck me. And I've never been able to not stop thinking about this. He said, what our nation needs most, especially our young people, is the ambition to excel. That's missing from our young people. The ambition to excel, to go beyond the possible and to pursue the seemingly impossible. Well, that's exactly what the apostle did. In his short life, he carried the gospel, the good news of Jesus, some 10,000 miles from one end of the Roman Empire to the other. He lumbered on for some 30 years, refusing to give up, even after three shipwrecks, after five beatings of 39 lashes each, three beatings with a Roman rod, a public stoning that nearly killed him, and no less than five imprisonments. Nero, the Roman emperor of the time, despised Christians, and especially ones like the Apostle Paul, who were so determined to get the message out about Christ. But he, but he tells Timothy, and I, I love these words, he says, look, the Lord, the Lord stood by me. The Lord gave me strength. He rescued me from the lion's mouth and from every evil attack. I was saved. What kind of life are we going to leave behind? What kind of life do you want to leave to your children or to your nieces and nephews or to your friends? What's it going to be? It was February 8th, 1968, that Dr. Martin Luther King gave one of his final sermons at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Two short months later, he would be assassinated. At the close of his sermon titled, The Drum Major Instinct, he disclosed how he'd like to be remembered. He describes how he'd like people to talk about him after he's no longer. In a way, this was his sermon of famous last words. This is what he, this is what he says. And every now and then I think about my own death and I think about my own funeral. And I don't think about it in a morbid sense. Every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? And I leave the word to you this morning. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for someone to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. He tried to be right on the war question and that I did try to feed the hungry, that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked, that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. Say that I was a drum major for righteousness and all the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I just want to leave a committed life behind, and that's all I wanted to say.
We've been talking about building blocks. A life built on the blocks of prayer and forbearance and mercy and being rooted in Scripture and knowing the Word of God. And today we consider the final block of giving God our best, giving our loved ones our very best. Just before the apostle died, he said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I wonder, what will your last words be? Will they be famous? They don't need to be. The question really is, how will we be remembered? I hope that when that great and glorious day comes and Christ is seen by all people, that he'll be able to look at us and say, well done, good, and faithful servants. For you too have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we do thank you for the gift of your word that challenges us every time we open it and listen to it. We thank you that Jesus' famous last words were not, it is finished But rather, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. God, help us to give our very best through the inspiration and power of your Holy Spirit at work in us to the praise and glory of your name. For we ask this Through Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.